chapter 25. Verse 27 says, the, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would just speak to us through your word, that we would hear from you today. We want to see you move in our lives. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. You can be seated. I told the team today that because we're going to celebrate with our anchor kids and take pictures and have popsicles and have fun, that I'm only going to preach for 15 minutes. 15 minutes. And I promise you, I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking. He said, I'm lying in church. Oh, wow. A couple years back, many years back, actually, I think I was 19 years old, I was working with my dad in Gulfport, Mississippi. My dad was working in courthouses that needed to be refinished, and they needed to have their woodwork worked on. And so me and my cousin Chris, we didn't have no jobs. We didn't have no children. We had nothing but time. So we went with my dad, and we were living in a hotel, working in Gulfport to refinish these, uh, these hotels. We didn't really like the job. Me and Chris would go to different areas in the courthouse and just go to sleep under desks. And when my dad would walk in, we'd wake up with our, with our um, sandpaper and we'd just be sitting there sanding. We knew that this was easy money. My dad wasn't going to not pay us. We took breaks all the time. It was a great time. We had a lot of fun experiences. I think I told you last week that Gulfport, their main hangout place was Walmart. It's true. I'm not joking. It really was Walmart. I, I, want, I want you to know something that that time was really funny for me because I remember so many cool things that happened. One night, I remember my dad coming to us with a bunch of Panasonic boxes. See, someone already knows the story. 
he had these Panasonic boxes because back then you had to have a camcorder. There were no iPhones. You could not take video the way we take video today. Back then, you had to have this thing called a camcorder, a videotape recorder. And my dad came in. He said, hey, he comes in with this stack of boxes. He said, you won't believe what just happened. I was at the gas station, and this guy pulls up in a Cadillac. And he says to me, I got, I got video recorders to sell. My dad, at that point, did not know what it was like to get hustled. He said he pulled out this recorder, and he showed me that it worked, and it was the newest one. And I, I want, and he was selling, like, I think it was two for 100. So I bought, like, four of them. And, you know, me and my cousin Chris are just looking at him. He said Cadillac. He said gas station. Somebody sold it out the trunk. We had a feeling being from Greenspoint, that he just got hustled. My dad opens up those boxes, and if I remember correctly, there were toy camcorders in there. Toy, yeah, I got it right, right? Toy camcorders. My dad thought he had negotiated the greatest deal of his life. My, my dad still won't live it down. You hear him back there murmuring now. He's embarrassed. He thought he had negotiated the greatest deal ever. And he realized at the end that he got, he got hustled. I remember when I was young, they told me that I was a good hustler, that I was a great salesman, that I could sell anything to anybody. And I remember once I was in a classroom at church, and this is a weird lesson to teach children at, in Bible class when they're young, but this is what my teacher asked. Can you sell me a plane ticket, but also telling me that the plane is going to crash? Weird. I don't know what lesson we were supposed to get out of that. But boy, I sold that ticket. I sold it. What better way? to go than know when you're going to go. What better way to exit than from heaven? I had the excuse over excuse, and I sold a ticket. I've always thought I was a good hustler, so when I heard my dad's little story, I was confused. Where did I get this gift from? I, I, don't, I don't know why my dad made what he thought was the greatest deal, which turned out to be the worst deal. We are in a story now of a hustler. We are now in the story of what the Bible calls the greatest hustler in the Bible. And his name is Jacob. We've been learning about Abraham as he pursued God's promise throughout the land that he was traveling. And we've met Isaac and Rebekah, who Isaac was Abraham's son. Isaac had two sons born to him, Esau and Jacob. And we're about to enter into the story of Jacob for the next couple weeks. And Jacob is something else. He is the hustler of hustler. His name means deceiver. And he wanted to be blessed. 
Jacob wanted to be blessed so bad that he would manipulate whoever he had to manipulate in order to receive his blessing. Now listen, I just want to, before we get into this quick teaching, I want you to know that you don't have to manipulate God in order to get what he has for you. I think if you believe that, you probably shot me down right there, but maybe you don't believe it. Each and every one of us in here, we don't have to bargain with God in order for God to cut us a deal for us to be able to receive what he wants us to receive. That starts with your salvation. There is no deal you can cut at a gas station with a Cadillac that would convince God to let you into eternity. There's nothing you can do. The only way we get into that is because of Jesus. Jesus is our way into eternity. Believing in Jesus gets us salvation. We are, we are in heaven, the Bible tells us, in Christ because we believe in Jesus. That's already yours. And I know that maybe if you're like me, you spend a lot of years wondering what it would be like to stand in front of God one day and negotiate your way into heaven. God, I know I did this. God, I know I struggled here. God, I know that thing that you're showing me on the big screen because I always thought that God's going to put all my sins on a big screen. Don't tell me I'm the only person in here who has believed that one day I would be standing in front of the biggest OLED TV for every person behind me to see all of the worst things I've ever done in my life. I believe that in that moment I would negotiate with God. God, I didn't know what I was doing. God, I came from this neighborhood. God, I was confused. The good news of the gospel is that neither one of us who believe in Jesus, none of us will have to stand there and negotiate. Because of Jesus, we're saved. Because of Jesus, we enter into heaven. Because of Jesus. It's simple. It's simple. This is going to be a simple teaching tonight. Because we're not talking about heaven. We're not talking about eternity. We're talking about blessings. The pursuit of the blessing that God has for our lives. God had a blessing in store for the children of Abraham. Isaac has his children, his children, Esau and, and, and Jacob. They know the promise. They know what God has for them. And, and the Bible tells us that, that Jacob was willing to do whatever he had to do to get this blessing. How willing was he? I'll tell you. It's scripture that we don't have up there for you tonight, but you can write it down. Genesis 25, 24 says, when the time came for her to give birth, her being Rebecca, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. Esau literally means hairy. Aren't you glad that you're not named based on the way that you looked on the day, I think they'd call me Littlefoot. Who remembers the land before time? Littlefoot, that crazy head he had. My head was all bent in different places. It was crazy. I'm glad they didn't name me based on what I looked like at birth. They named him Esau. After this, so the firstborn is who? Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. The name Jacob means multiple things. One of them means heel grabber. They named him Jacob because he was 
fighting even in the womb to be firstborn. Jacob, even in the womb, knew that the double portion of blessing was due to the firstborn, and he wanted it. He wanted it. He consciously, in the womb, wrestled. I don't know if you can understand it the way the Bible is trying to present it, but this baby boy from the very beginning was ambitious. From the moment he was exiting his mother's womb, he was scheming. He was working on scams to try to get the blessing because in these days, when a father passed away, he would pass his inheritance to his children. He would pass his inheritance to his children, but the firstborn son received a double portion. And so here in this scripture, you see immediately who Jacob is. From the very beginning, he's trying to figure out how to get his way by any means possible. He was willing to do whatever it took to get the blessing. And I wonder if you found yourself in places like that in your life, willing to do whatever it takes to negotiate with God so that you could get what you felt God had for you. Now, maybe you don't want to admit it. You don't want to shake your head or say amen because it's embarrassing. But I, I think I know what your prayers sound like. God, if you would give me this job, oh, the things I would do. God, I promise I won't do this anymore. God, I promise I'll stop doing that. If you'll just let me find a husband, I, I promise you, God, I will, don't, I will do this and I won't do that. God, if you would just let me find a wife, I promise you I wouldn't do this. We have all in some way or another negotiated with God at some point in our life because we want something from him. And so instead of just asking, we negotiate. We scheme. And I, I, I tend to believe that, that we do this probably throughout the day, even though we don't even know it. We probably do it subconsciously. God, if you would just let me get the best parking, park, parking spot at Target. God, please let that lady at Starbucks who makes my coffee the right way be there today. I can't stand when this other person gets there. I think we pray prayers like that. I think we pray prayers negotiating with God so that we could get something from God and, and we would do things that we were probably ashamed of. I, I, maybe you've, you've prayed those prayers when you're praying for the lottery numbers to hit. God, I promise you, everyone's prayed this prayer. God, I promise you, if you give me this lottery, I will give you 10%. That's a lie. You don't do it now. You're not going to do it then. We've all done it. We will all see ourselves over the next few weeks in Jacob. And my message for you is not that this is something depressing or this is something that we should be ashamed of. It's just that how God still chooses to bless him even though he is the way that he is. The Bible says he was born second and he was scheming to be first, and maybe you've done that. You've, you've tried to be first. You've, you've tried to be the person that you've always wanted to be in your life, and whatever you had to do to get there, to get to the top, you'd do it. 
to make a name for yourself or a reputation. Maybe, maybe the, what you post on social media, you do it so that people would think you've reached the top. The things you say to other people, you do it so that they think that you've, you're reaching the place of blessing in your life, that God is finally doing. And we all know that sometimes the things that we put on social media are nothing but a lie. And here we have Jacob, simple, simple message. Jacob is a schemer. And the, the, the biggest trick he ever pulled was stealing his brother's birthright. Let me tell you what a birthright is before we get into this. A birthright was part of the familial blessing in the Old Testament. When God would, would bless a family, the father would put his hands on his firstborn son and would pray a blessing for their birthright. This, this prayer would announce to the Jewish boy that God, through the father, was, was transferring the whole of the inheritance on him. Every Jewish boy longed for this blessing, especially the oldest because of the double portion they received. They longed for their father to put their hand on their head and announce the transfer of their inheritance. The blessing signaled a divine transfer of your spiritual inheritance. Listen, this was a special moment in the life of every boy, and Jacob wanted that before he was born He was working on being the one that would receive this blessing. But in order for him to get this, he had to trick his brother. And he had to ask him to sell him his birthright. Let's let's go into the story and let's see what happens here. The boys grew up in verse 27. Esau became a skillful hunter. Esau, Esau is the firstborn, a man of the open country. Listen, we won't go too deep into it. But I want you just to notice, where is Esau usually? In the country. He's known as being like a man's man. Out there hunting, sweating. I don't want to sweat. I don't want to be outside. I'm not Esau. I'm not going to go hunting. I'm not going to go fishing. This is Esau, though. It says, while Jacob, the second son, was content to stay at home among the tents. Jacob was, they say, a mama's boy. He wanted to be at the house. He wanted to hang out. He didn't want to sweat. He wanted all the comforts of being at the home. But I want you to understand this. I want you to see it because it's symbolism. Esau was always outside of the tent. Jacob was always in the tent. Where was Jacob? Inside the tent. Where was Esau? Outside the tent. That's right. It says he was content to stay among the tents. Verse 28, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Don't get it twisted here. They both loved their children. But here it said there were attributes that they loved about their children. This is, a, this, is a, this is a picture of intimacy that you need to see. It says that Isaac had a taste for wild game, so he had a deeper intimacy with, with Esau. Still loves his other son, but there's a sense of intimacy. Because they're together on the things that they like. Same thing for Rebecca, but Rebecca loved Jacob because where was Jacob? At home with his mom. There is, there is something here about intimacy that we don't need to go into much here, but God wants intimacy with you. God wants intimacy with you. He wants to share things with you. He wants you to spend time with him, and he wants to share intimacy with you. 
That's what this is a symbol of. The Bible then tells us in verse 29, once J- when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country and he was famished. He was hungry and he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I am famished. I need you to understand what's happening here. Esau is hungry. He's been out hunting all day. I want you to notice, he's not cooking anything that he caught. Esau is home and he's hungry, but he's not bringing in anything that he killed that day. Esau is coming home and he's eating someone else's food. He's eating Jacob's food. That's what he's asking for. I need you to catch that because you need to see the mindset, the mindset of Esau. Esau came home and said, I didn't do well today, but I want to eat your food. Give me quickly your food because I am so hungry. He's desperate, he's hungry, and he's failed. He's desperate because he's hungry because he's failed. I want you to understand this clearly because there are going to come times in your life when you feel desperate, when you feel this internal hunger for something, and it's because you failed. Be careful what decisions you make in life after a failure. Be careful the decisions you make in life when you feel desperate. Be careful the decisions you make in life when you're starving. He was desperate and hungry and he failed. And because of that, he was about to make an awful decision. Listen, when you're desperate, it may lead you to make bad decisions. Desperation often leads to bad decisions. Don't make big decisions when you're empty. I'm famished. I have nothing in me. Oftentimes, we make the biggest mistakes in our lives when we're running on empty. Have you ever been to the grocery store Shopping for food while you're hungry. Listen, if I go to the grocery store while I'm hungry, I will load up that cart with things that I don't need because I'm hungry. My hunger leads me to make bad decisions. Be very careful that you don't go grocery shopping while you're hungry. Listen, there are a lot of hungry people in this world. Hungry, though, not for food but for significance, hungry for some sort of approval from other people, hungry for a position, and hungry for success. Be careful what decisions you make when you're hungry for success, when you're hungry for position and blessing. Be careful the decisions you make after you've had a great failure. It's oftentimes when we have failures in our lives, when things don't go good for us at work, when we don't do what we want to do in our lives, when we feel like we haven't hit the mark, it's in that moment that we make really bad decisions. That's, That's Esau. That's where he is right now. And the Bible says Jacob saw his chance. Here is my chance 
He says, Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Okay, I got the bowl of beans. That's what these were. They were lentil beans. I got the bowl of beans, but first, I want your birthright. A bowl for your birthright. What is a birthright? He is the firstborn son, and thus a double portion is on him. He knows that he can convince his brother to sell him his birthright. What does that tell you about Esau and the way he sees the birthright? It's not important to him. Esau doesn't put a lot of importance into the birthright. Esau doesn't really see the birthright as something that's significant but Jacob does. I'm going to give you a little bit of symbolism as to why I think that is and how we can apply that, and then we're going to go on home. I told you 15 minutes. Where, where did Esau dwell? Outside the tent. Where did Jacob dwell? Inside what? The tent. Be careful. The decisions you make in your life, if you're not spending time in the tent. What tent? The tent was always symbolism for God's presence. Esau believed in his ability as a hunter to provide for himself. Esau believed that he could take care of himself and that the work that he did was enough. There's a lot of us who are in that position where we believe the work of our hands, our accomplishment, what we do, our hustle, our work, going to give us all we need. And if we're not careful, if we have that kind of attitude, we will find ourselves doing exactly what Esau does here. He gives it up to his brother who wanted it more. Now here is the issue. The, just because Jacob wants it more, why does God let him have it? It's not his birthright. Most people scholars would say that the reason God allowed Jacob to have it is because he knew that Esau didn't care much about it and that he wouldn't do anything with it. He wouldn't pursue God's plans because of it. So God allowed him to have it. It says, Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look at what, look at what Esau says in verse 32. Look, I'm about to die what good is this birthright to me? But Jacob said, uh-uh, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Hey, listen, sometimes we give up what we want most for what we want now. It's going to be a quick message. That's it. That's my point. Nothing complicated. This story reveals to us a man that in his desperation made a terrible decision. He gave up what he wanted most for what he wanted now. He gave up the, the blessing of God, the promise of God for satisfaction in the moment. And there are a lot of people in this world today wondering, where's my blessing? Where is the thing that God has promised me? Have you traded it for for momentary satisfaction. The Bible tells us that God, God gave this to Jacob because Esau didn't value it very much. And he traded it.
for a bowl of soup. The Bible says in verse 33, but Jacob says, swear to me first. He swore an oath for him, telling him, Selling, sell me your birthright. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and he drank, and then they got up and they left. So Esau despised his birthright. So many of us want God's blessing. So many of us want God to give us what he's promised us. There are so many people in this world today who are struggling because they don't feel blessed. They feel like they haven't received their spiritual inheritance. What we have to do is value it first. What we have to do is value it. And what we're going to see here is going to be fun over the next couple weeks. Because God is going to give this to Esau, I mean to Jacob. But Jacob's not ready for it. Jacob's not ready for this blessing. Jacob's not ready for what God wants to give him. So God has to do something for him so that he would be able to receive the blessing. And that word is brokenness. For God to give him the blessing, God's going to work on Jacob. And that word is brokenness. Now, look, you and I, we don't like brokenness, but it is a critical part of God's transformational process. Brokenness means that we are stripped of our self-sufficiency. That's what was happening with Esau. He felt really self-sufficient, and God was working this in Jacob, too. He wanted to break him down so that he could be able to receive what God had for him. I, I, I don't know if you've done this before, but I have this thing in me where I, want, I like to make food. I like to make it. And that's why I think I'm a little bit more like Jacob. Have you ever made your own pizza? Have you? Made your own pizza. I haven't. But listen, I've seen some people make some good pizza. I've seen some people make some good pizza. And here's the funny thing is, when you watch people make pizza, they take this dough, and it's puffy. And they take that dough, and they have to flatten it down. They take that dough, and they flatten it down before they put the toppings on it. Before the toppings go onto it, the dough has to be stretched and it has to be flattened in order to be able to receive all of the toppings. A lot of people go to church and they say, I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed and I want God to do it now, but we don't want to receive God's flattening. We don't want to receive God's stretching of us. We all want the good stuff that God has for us, the promise that he has for us, but we don't want the process of being made ready to receive it. God has great promises for Jacob, and he has great promises for us. And what he does for Jacob, he does only after he works on his character, because his character isn't ready to receive these blessings yet. Even though you and me, we have great promises of God, God sees us and he knows that we're not ready. He knows that we're not ready, and so he wants to work us and stretch us and flatten us so that he can change us in order so that we could be ready for what he's prepared for us. And that's what we're going to see in the story of Jacob. 
And I think that God wants to work on you. I think that God wants to work on me. I think that God is doing this because he has something he wants to put on us, a blessing. Let's see if we can get a piano player up here and we're done. God wants to do this for you and for me. He has blessings that he wants to give us. He has blessings that he wants us to experience here on earth. But he's got to work on our character. He's got to work on us because more than likely, each and every one of us, we would give up what we want most for what we want now. And I think that if me and you were to think about what is it that we want most? What is it that we want God to give us most? And then what are you thinking about trading for? What are you thinking about trading for? Is it peace? Is it hope? What is it? I would tell you to be careful. Because God has so much that he wants to bless us with. We're not ready to hold it. We're not ready to receive it yet. And so he has to work on us. And the story of Jacob is, is that. God working on a man who was a thief, who was a liar, who was a manipulator. But that same thief, liar, and manipulator wanted to be blessed. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to know what it's like to live in God's blessing? Do you feel unworthy of that sometimes? The things I've done, the, the areas I failed. Well, maybe you're just like Jacob. You want the blessing, but you also feel a little broken. And it's in God's brokenness that he puts on us that allows us to be ready to receive what he has for us. So for the next couple of weeks, I would just encourage you, don't miss. Because I know that you, I know that you want God's blessing. I know that you're looking for it. And I know that you've even tried to negotiate for it. I'm here to tell you that God has it. He wants to give it to you, no matter how many times you fail. No matter how many mistakes you make, no matter how bad the character that you have is, he's going to work on us. He's got a lot of work he wants to do in us. I think this is going to be a beautiful time, honestly, figuring out how God wants to mold us and shape us so that we can receive what he wants us to receive. We want it now. We want it now. We want it now. And God's like, I got to work on you. I got to work on your character. I got to work on who you are so that when you receive it, be ready for it. Really excited about that. Why don't you stand with me? We'll pray.